to this week's Frankly Golf podcast. I'm Valerie Melvin here with Frank Thomas and this is our 17th podcast and this week we are going to be talking about technology and its effect on the game of golf. Now this is going to be very interesting because we're going to be wide ranging, we're not going to you know, burrow in too deeply on any particular subject but it's going to be a sort of overall review of technology, its role in our lives and its role in the game? Well, yeah, I, I think uh, I think we have to recognize that uh, technology, advanced technology is surrounding us and, uh, and it has had an effect on the game of golf. But when you understand how rapid technology is moving, it's, it's absolutely amazing. If you try to pro, uh, plot a, a graph of um, progress as a function of time, you'd see that the curve over the last thousands of years we've been communicating uh, by writing out a little letter on, on a piece of papyrus or a piece of leather, giving it to somebody on horseback, and they run to or ride their horse to the next post where they uh, relay it back to you know everybody down the line. And then when it got to the ocean, you'd have to get on a boat and wait. So that's the only way you could really communicate. And for thousands of years, that, that, that was the case. But now suddenly, since the, actually, uh, I think started with the um, uh, Industrial Revolution, the in, in, introduction of the steam engine, things have started really moving fairly rapidly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's really been an explosion in information and communication where we've seen as as you've often said, Frank, almost like an exponential improvement. And in golf, we've seen some of the effects of that with regard to equipment, but not a huge amount. No, relatively speaking, relatively speaking, golf is static. If you look at that that, that plot we were talking about, as progress as a function of time, and you and you and you plot, however you define progress, you can define it as being travel. You can define it as being communications. But if you plot that, you'll see how over the last 100 years, things have moved rapidly. And over the last 50 years, they've moved. And then if you last the last 10 years, you'll see how, and it's an exponential curve. And when you look at technology in the game of golf, other than understanding how equipment works, uh, the actual advances in the equipment and the way we play the game of golf is basically static. Mm -hmm. And I think as well, when you look at, you know, the computers and the devices and all the, the things that we use as an example to design golf clubs, let's say. So now they use the C they computer model it, they CNC machine it. But before they even machine anything, they kind of know from, you know, the, the computer design, whether it's going to work or not or how it's going to work. Yeah, through the CAD CAM system, you're able to now determine what the amount of inertias are. You don't necessarily know how, how through that system, how, how what what the impact uh, collision theory is, but you you know you, you can you can work that out. But uh, modeling is very important, and we do that, and we can we can we can predict. Um, but you know, science really and technology hasn't ended the game of golf um, um, for very long. It's been basically since the sixties, early sixties or mid sixties. However. You know, P.G. Tate, back in 1887, he, he, he wrote papers on understanding the spin and, and aerodynamics of a golf ball, and, and he wrote papers on that, and nothing happened for almost 100 years. 
and then suddenly we woke up in the 60s and started applying science to to club design instead of it being an art form. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, I mean, it's really amazing when we think about not just the, the, the clubs and the understanding of the aerodynamics, but, you know, when you look at the application of things like launch monitors and virtual golf in the sense that, well, you've got a launch monitor and you can play any course in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable how it's, how it's grown and how, how also it applies to teaching. I think so. I, I think that, uh, you know, they, they, they've tried to apply technology that we use and, and built out of, uh, come out of the space industry and, and um, the industry of self-communications. And we've tried to apply that to the game of golf. And I'm not too sure how effective it really is. You're trying to tell somebody that if they get into this, this, their living room and they have a big screen, they can play their, their game of golf. And you ask yourself, um, you know, how effective is that? It's wonderful technology seeing how, how it happened. But I don't know whether it's really satisfying that same need that we have. Depends what the need is. I suppose if you can't get out and play, it's probably the next best thing. So... You know, I think there's there's an argument to be made for and against. It's definitely not the real thing, but it probably adds, and it, rather than just standing beating balls in a net, it maybe just makes it a bit more interesting. There's another dimension to it, another, yeah. but uh, it's a little different. And and uh, I I think that uh, you know we've been playing golf for uh, since 1400s. Yeah. And and the game really hasn't changed. We're still playing with a club and a ball, and we're still playing on a golf course. We're still hitting the ball from a tee and ground into the hole. And, and the rules haven't changed significantly. So the game itself hasn't changed. The technology surrounding it uh, in, in what, how you describe, you know, launch monitors and, and indoor golf and everything else has, has, has changed significantly. But the game itself is, is very static. And I think, you know, we're, we were talking before we, you know, obviously um, went ahead and recorded this podcast about the cameras I mean, there are cameras everywhere now, whether it's filming or taking pictures at events or, um, you know, to record your own swing. But when we were putting together from Sticks and Stones, we were looking for a picture of Bobby Jones in the 1925 US Open. So we contacted the USGA and they said, sure, we'll, we'll send you some pictures. Um, happy send, to do it. Send all three of them. Yeah, the three pictures. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the number actually was. It was certainly less than five um, to, that we had to choose from. And it really hit home at that point how quickly we've moved and how, you know, you think about the 2019 US Open. If we look at how many pictures are there of that event, I mean, there's got to be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pictures that you could have of that particular and then, and then championship. They're no, they're, they're no longer stored on the film. No. Uh, that no, is, that no. was somewhere of a limiting factor, fortunately. You had to change the film <laughs> every time and you if, took a number of pictures. And every picture had to mean yeah. something. And yeah, yeah, yeah you, can, you can take, a, you know, a hundred pictures in a couple of seconds. Yeah. And, and it doesn't... Uh, doesn't uh, have any effect on you because you've got so much memory. I think the other thing is when you look at the role of cameras, which are available to, you know, basically have a high quality video camera in your pocket. When I started playing golf, I had no idea what my golf swing looked like, um, which is maybe why it is the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but maybe that was a good thing. Um, 
but you you'd no idea what it looked like. And I remember a friend of mine saying, "Oh, we've got we've got a video camera. You know, come along, and we're gonna you know take a video of our swings." And then eventually, I think I got a tape of it. It took a few weeks, but I got a tape of it so I could see what it actually looked like. And you think about it now, and you think about girls and boys growing up, and they they see their swing all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, it's quite remarkable. And you can actually do video instruction from anywhere. You can be anywhere. Basically, you can. And and I, I think uh, teaching has helped. I think, uh, you know, as an example, with our certified putting instructor course, it's an online course. We can, we can uh, teach people how to teach putting all around the world. And we don't have to be there. And, and they are. I mean, we've got 350, 400 uh, CPIs all in 48 countries, I think, something like that. So uh, it, it, that is, is where technology has helped a lot. But, but um, you know, and, and teaching how to understand and also understanding the science. I mean, we, we learn uh, science and, and technology has, has had a significant influence on, on the way we determine what the performance properties are of equipment. And setting standards at the USGA, we developed all sorts of uh, equipment that was based on scientific uh, uh, research that we'd been doing on on aerodynamics of golf balls, on launch monitors, and and understanding uh, what the optimum launch conditions are, and how the club head actually deformed, and all, all these things. But but uh, th- those are the those are the advances of, that have been made and advantages of, of using technology in the game. And I also think it was interesting, Frank, you've got a great story about when you started the gin system at the USGA. Right. When you ordered your gigabyte of memory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we, we developed uh, the system and we had uh, a number of people, something like uh, I think it was 35,000, 40,000 uh, people on the system and computing their handicap, and and I knew we were going to advance this out to a few more uh, associations. And I said we can't do it on, on this computer because we need more memory. And uh, eventually they wheeled in a little like a filing cabinet size device, and they said, "I said what is that?" And they said, "This is your your memory you in, you in, um, you ordered, and it was one gigabyte, <laughs> one gigabyte, very expensive too." Yeah. Now on my, on my phone in my pocket, I got sixty four of those. <laughs> I know it doesn't actually bear thinking about. It's it's remarkable. But the the other thing that we don't really, when we think about the world of golf and we think about transportation, I think this is the interesting part. Um, you know, you think about people like Bobby Jones, who we spoke about earlier. I mean, when he wanted to go to play, let's say in in the Open Championship over in the UK, he had to get on a on a boat. Right. And that would take maybe three weeks. I don't know how long exactly it took. But I want to know how he kept his game sharp during the, the trip. Because, I mean, and also, presumably he wrote to people to let them know he was coming and somebody maybe would meet him somewhere. But it's not like he had a cell phone that he could just send a quick text, you know, I'm on the boat now. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, be sure you're at the, the port to pick me up or right. whatever. I mean, when you think about it, it really was a true adventure. I mean, these people were really 
I mean, pioneers in terms of playing the game internationally. When you compare it to today, when everything's kind of set out and you jump on a, a, a private jet or you jump on, you know, a commercial airline and you, you know, you text your pals and, you know, you're off and away and before you know it, you're in, in the next location. It is right. anywhere, it's really astonishing. Anywhere in the world. I know, and when we talk about the plane, I mean, we were talking about the Wright brothers. I right. mean, 1903 was their first flight. Right. If you can call it a flight. Obviously, it was a flight. Right. But I think it lasted... 12 seconds. 12 seconds. Yeah, and, and I don't think it went more than a couple of hundred feet. You can't get any flyer miles that way. It's a very difficult, <laughs> <laughs> frequent flyer miles on the, on, on the yeah. White Brothers plan. Right. But, I mean, when you think about that, that was just 1903. This right. is, what, 2020. So that was like 117 years ago. Right. And, we, and, we, and we've been to the moon and back. A number of times, and and we're on our way to Mars. Um, that is, is that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the exponential curve. It's frightening, and you know it's important that we we um, recognize this and and recognize that golf has been very static. Golf, as I said, is playing the same way it has, and it, it's that form of constancy that we need. We need for mental stability because we can calibrate, we can look back at what we do, get back to the baseline and say, this is, this is what, what a, a stable life is about because we're surrounded by this explosion of technology. And I think as well it's the speed and the ability to get information or entertainment, whatever you are. I mean, I remember, I think it was, it was either last year or the year before, we were... We were flying, uh, we were heading to South Africa, I think, and the Masters was on, and it was live on the plane. Right. I mean, we could tune in live to Augusta and watch it from the plane. It, it was absolutely astonishing. Yeah. And I think on our way back from South Africa to the UK, we watched the Open. Yes, the US Open. US Open. <laughs> Right. Yeah, somebody made a really good plan with the travel arrangements. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 is, it is amazing, right. Yeah, it's astonishing when you think, when you think that you're able to do that and you look at the, the speed of things, you know, whether it's the internet, social media, all these things that are just flying at you so quickly. And I think that's why when you look at things like journaling, bullet journals, there's almost like a return for people to get back to writing in a nice book with a nice pen and expressing themselves in sort of a different way because I think we're so engulfed in digital and typing and all these other things that I think we almost need more time to consider things and um, we're all, we always seem to be in such a hurry. Right, I mean, yeah, you can, you can text uh, uh, somebody uh, around the world and almost before you finish a sentence, it's arrived. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, when you're writing it in a journal, you know, if you don't, and sometimes you don't like what you send, you can't get it back. No. But if you <laughs> have to be careful. Right. If, if, but if you're writing it, you say, well, okay, I don't like that sentence. I can, uh, you know, erase it and start again. So there's something quaint about writing, but at the same time, we have to be careful. That's the downside of this technology. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I mean, I think the sort of return to sort of a more old-fashioned way in terms or a more traditional way of communicating, whether it's a handwritten letter, which is a sort of dying art, um, or writing in a journal, uh, keeping your notes, is just really important. But it's almost like 
golf, isn't it? It's like heading back to the golf course and just having that connection between you, the club, and the ball. That's right. That is exactly right. And that's the constancy we talk about. That's what we really need. And that's what golf provides us with. It's a wonderful, wonderful game. We love it. Well, listen, we hope everyone out there enjoyed this. Um, you know, head to the golf course, get your clubs out and whack a few. Uh, until next week. May the frog be with you. <laughs>